The Startup to Scale Up Game Plan is brought to you by Alpina Search, Europe's premier talent search firm, dedicated to helping technology startups and scale-ups recruit high-impact executives. Now over to your host, Gary Riemann. Normally, on the Startup to Scale Up Game Plan, I interview tech leaders and investors with really interesting experiences in the world of B2B startups and scale-ups. On this episode, we've got a change of direction because I came across the ideas of uh, Matthew Sweezy, Director of Market Strategy at Salesforce. And Salesforce are a long way from being a startup or even a scale-up. But Matthew's ideas on the future of marketing seemed so relevant, in my opinion, for emerging and uh, ambitious tech ventures. I invited Matthew to the show to share his vision for the infinite era of marketing. So, uh, Matthew, welcome to today's show. Thanks so much for having me. Glad to be here. Now, Matthew, you believe that companies who have moved to a new idea of marketing are dominating their markets. It's not about tools and tactics. It's about embracing this new idea of marketing. So. How does the new idea of marketing differ from traditional approaches, and why is this so important for B two B technology businesses? Yeah, so that's a there's there's a lot to that question. Let me go with first off with the data. So you're referring to the data that we've done at Salesforce over the past five years to really identify the key differences between high performing marketing organizations and everyone else. And we've asked thousands of thousands of businesses around the globe. I think at this point, it's about 20,000. And the number one key difference is it's not tools. It's not technology. Like you said, it's really that they have embraced a new idea of marketing at the highest level of the organization. In fact, it's executive buy-in to a new idea of marketing. And that idea is a shift from marketing being the department who tells the world about the products that you've made to the owner and sustainer of all experiences across the customer journey. So that's what the data suggests is what is working currently. And then if we go one step back and to say, well, then why is that the case? We then start to get into this definition and, and some really theoretical work, uh, which I wrote about in a book for Harvard called The Context Marketing Revolution, which essentially is the idea that marketing is a game and the rules are dictated by the media environment. And if we don't realize that we entered a new media environment, and it's a very rare thing to happen, but we've entered a completely new point in time, and that then changes all aspects of life. It changes how people interact. It changes decision-making processes. It changes what is possible, meaning that we have to now play a new game in this new world. Hence, that's why those high performers are doing so well. I read through your study, and there's a lot of interesting insights in there, quite a lot of consumer examples. From a B2B perspective, why is the, the infinite era, as you've titled this new era that we're in or that we're moving into, why is the infinite era so important for B2B technology businesses? Let's first off take one step back and let's really get to the heart of this question, which is we traditionally see a separate between B2B and B2C. And that really comes down to one key difference. And it's really, it's how do those individuals make those decisions? We traditionally see B2C decisions as shorter in terms of we would use the term impulse purchase a lot of times with a B2C decision. 
And then we would oftentimes imagine that B2B buyers act radically different. And the reality is, is they do act different, but it's not because of a vertical. Uh, it's actually because the decision is just more complex. There's more risk in making that decision. Hence, they're going to take more time to make that decision. Uh, there's also more people involved. So it's inherently different. But what we must understand is what we're talking about from the infinite media era is a media environment that affects all things. This is macro theory. This is not you know, only going to affect millennials. Or this is not just about social media and Instagram. What we're talking about is a new world of possibility where individuals have now become the largest creators of noise. And then that changes how they want to interact and it changes how they make decisions. And this doesn't matter if you're B2C or B2B. For B2B buyers, what we must realize is what the modern B2B buyer wants most from a brand is partnership. They want us to work with them, not on them. And that's one of the big concepts that we must pull from this infinite media era. We've now entered a time where creation of content is now ubiquitous. In fact, there are more people on the planet with a cell phone than have access to clean drinking water or electricity, meaning anyone in the world can create, distribute, and access an infinite trove of content. That has never happened before in the, in the world. That changes things radically. And one of the big foundations is now that we must realize, now that consumers have full control, we must work with them. We no longer can just sit back and say, I need to come up with a creative campaign. Let me find a creative way to say this message to the world, and that's going to get people to buy it from me. What we must realize is in this new world, we must embrace collaboration. We must find ways to work with our marketplace. And that is the modern idea of marketing. Now, you make a lot of references to purpose-driven businesses like Tesla. So do all companies need to be purpose-driven and to convey that to the market for them to succeed in this new marketing era? That's a really good question. And I don't know if I've ever looked at it from the angle of do all businesses, but what we look at is when consumers and what consumers buy and why consumers buy, purpose is a major consideration. Uh, in fact, I just published new data today that talks about actually as a result of COVID, the definition of what is purpose has totally changed. In fact, what we see is consumers are much more likely to support small businesses currently at this point in time, more so than ever before. And the answer as to why is because they see that as protecting their community, as supporting their actual lifestyle that they have embraced and want to continue. And they're shopping at those places for a purpose-driven reason, where we would traditionally think of purpose as, I bear, buy a pair of shoes from you, you then go give a pair of shoes to some needing child in, in some third world country. That's the old idea that we had. Now, what brands really must realize is purpose is not just social justice. In fact, you talked about how I classify Tesla as a purpose-driven brand. Most people would not. But if you really look at what Tesla is doing, they're trying to help get the world off of fossil fuels, hence a very purpose-driven mission. And they are working with their marketplace to do that. And, and once again, when we go back to the definition of purpose, the traditional idea that brands had is CSR, which is... I'm going to donate money to something. I'm going to have my employees go build a Habitat for Humanity house. We're going to do this good thing for the world. And then I'm going to tell the marketplace I did good. The problem in that scenario is no one wants to be told anything in this world of infinite media. They want you to do things with them, right? So just simply doing good and telling them is no different than the old idea of marketing when you're just going to try to come up with a creative message. It's just a new way to come up with a creative message. Instead, brands that find ways to work with their audience to actually deliver purpose 
are much, much, much more likely to build strong relationships, break through, be able to sell their products for more, and drive growth in new ways. To answer your question, must all brands be purpose-driven? The answer is not all brands are going to be purpose-driven. But brands that are purpose-driven, our research shows, outperform those that aren't by two and a half times. They are more likely to retain those customers and charge higher prices for their products. So it's a much more advantageous way to growth than the alternative. Now, you also emphasize creating experiences versus creating messages. So again, it's very clear to me how a B2C business can go out and create experiences for their mm-hmm. target audience. But when you look at a B2B technology venture, so imagine here we're talking about a startup or a scale-up with a few million dollars, maybe up to $10 million maximum in sure. annual recurring revenue. What can they do to engage their audience in experiences rather than just churning out message after message? Sure. And I think in the B2B world, experiences are much easier to define um, for a couple of basic reasons. One is there is a much more complex structure of the relationship, meaning there are many more touch points and there's much more interaction. A lot of times we're talking about things that have management uh, of the actual product usage, meaning there's much more interaction between the brand and the individual. So let me give you a quick scenario. Let's say that we want to increase the lifetime customer value by threefold and increase the purchase price that they're actually spending with us or the amount that they're giving us by twice, right? What, what if that was the directive that your organization gave you as a marketer? So you need to increase lifetime customer value by three times and increase the amount that they're spending with us by two times. Traditional marketing logic would say, all right, I'm going to come up with some way to show that this is better value. I'm going to come up with a better campaign, better messaging. What we did at Salesforce was actually go down the exact message that I just talked about, which is how do we work with our audience, not on our audience? And we ended up creating this thing called Trailhead in the Trailblazer network. So what we've done is we really dug in to understand the key values of our customers are one, they want personal branding, and two, they want better business outcomes. By aligning with those two purposes that they have, we create this network where one, for personal brand, people are allowed to ask questions to other customers. Other customers and people inside of our larger ecosystem are able to then answer those questions. By doing that, they're building their personal brand by helping others with specific business-related questions. And to the result, what we found is a quarter of those people have actually found new jobs. So if you want to talk about you know, branding and this concept of being top of mind, sure, you can pump out a bunch of messages that people remember and have somewhat of a recall. You help somebody get a new job, that's a different level of interaction, right? So radically different outcomes. Now, then on the other side, we've created, which is, is a micro-learning platform, which allows anyone to go in and upskill via thousands of different micro-learning projects, programs. There's all kinds of stuff that they can learn and get badged. 14 million courses have been completed, right? Now, when we actually then pull back the numbers and look at how does this affect us as a business, what we find is those customers that engage stay customers three times as long and spend twice as much. Right? So that is an experience that we have created to partner with our customers and our ecosystem at large to work with them to provide that value that they're actually seeking, which is personal brand and better business outcomes. 
by focusing on an experience rather than just messaging, we not only got the results that we want, but we must understand that this is a system, that this is not a campaign that has a spike that we then have to recreate. We have made a sustainable system that produces these results constantly and into perpetuity. Right? So it's a radically different idea and an outcome, not only in what it achieved, but how it will achieve the same results moving forward. Um, and also, I just want to be clear that you know, this concept of the experience and focusing on the experiences does come from Joseph Pine in the book, The Experience Economy. Um, I just try to help push that idea forward with some new thoughts into the new world. Something else that you seem very bullish on is AR, VR, and what um, you term as XR. Again, to me, the B2C use cases are, are really very, very clear. In fact, um, only this morning I interviewed for the podcast uh, CEO at, at, at Blipper, who just helped one of their clients, the handset manufacturer OnePlus, launch their new 5G smartphone entirely through augmented reality to uh, an audience of half a million globally because normally they just have you know a few hundred journalists maybe a few thousand at most in in the auditorium with them so it's a wonderful use case for um augmented reality but again looking at the b2b use case for ar vr and uh, xr what are possibilities there for for b2b businesses there's a lot so I think from the concept of, to what I see the biggest impact for B2B businesses in XR and VR is really probably going to come in in a couple of different places on the front end of a customer life cycle of how do we acquire customers. I think AR and VR is going to be most applicable in terms of demonstration. Uh, in terms of B2B typically have very large and complex products, such as let's just say your HP and you're trying to then reconfigure a set of server and a server bay for an individual. With XR and VR, it would be very easy to demonstrate exactly what that would look like, how that would function, and how that would be in a virtual environment. Not only is it easy to then demonstrate, it's completely scalable uh, and can be delivered anywhere in the world. So it can radically change the concept of how we demonstrate physical products to consumers. And, and in the B2B space, it's a very big thing, especially when we start talking about B2B traditionally being larger, complex things, which could be water systems for governments, it could be software systems, it could be lots of major things. We also may see this on the other side, such as how do we then in the future work with our customers and then help them get more value out of these things that we've already sold them. Uh, and XR and VR can start to open up a new world of rather than you just calling a customer service agent, you actually put on a pair of glasses and work through the problem with the customer service agent in an XR or VR experience. So. I think there are lots of values. I do agree with you that I think in the consumer space, in the B2C space, XR and VR is probably going to be a lot hotter and sexier. But in the B2B space, I still do see it having a very sizable impact on those two key places and demonstrations uh, and uh, support. Now, something else that I read with real interest is your idea that marketing needs to own the entire customer experience journey. And the implications of that are maybe a new role needs to be created within the organization, recognizing that certainly the senior leadership team have to completely buy into this concept and the structure 
of the organization, the silos of the organization may need to be changed. Certainly the working relationships between, say, marketing and sales and delivery may have to change. So let's imagine, Matthew, that you're a non-exec or perhaps you're on the advisory board of a um, B2B software startup or scale-up, and you're advising the CEO, the leadership team, on what they need to do, what they need to prioritize, shall we say, to embrace this infinite era of marketing. What would you recommend that they do at the organizational level to ensure that they are winners in this this new era? I mean, at the organizational level, there's a lot of massive changes uh, that have to take place. At the highest level, so let's work our way down. From an executive level, we knew we need a new executive position. So here's the problem. We created our executive positions to own fiefdoms or silos, as we call them, inside of an organization. Sales, service, support, product, go on and name them. Each one of those heads of state operates for their own specific internal goals. Sales is going to operate for the number of deals that they can close. They are not optimizing for a customer experience. So if we don't have somebody at an executive level who's tasked with this concept of, is it a consistent and holistic customer experience? And how am I measuring this across the entire customer journey? Then it's going to break down with each silo because they're not functioning and not operating on the same goals. So that's the highest level. It doesn't matter what you call that person, but you have to have somebody who owns the entire experience, who's going to report that to the C-suite. And this is not the CEO's job and then be able to then hold sway over those departments to fix things, to increase the experience as they see fit. So I think that's that's step one. Step two is we fundamentally have to look at what is marketing's role. And so like, you know, I, I get into this a lot, which is what I call the contextual business model. The old idea that we have of business was we built a product, marketing's role was to then tell the world about the product, and then we sold the product. But if you go back to the example I use of Tesla, They don't even have a CMO, and they work completely different. In fact, what they do is they begin by working with their marketplace to have a conversation about getting the world off of fossil fuels. They then continue that conversation by doing lots of things that are radical. I mean, launching a car into space is pretty radical. Then they use the conversation to say, hey, listen, if you want to help us do this, buy into this and actually pre-order these cars so we can then fund this development. So now they are pre-selling before they've ever built. They've sold the product before it's ever built, so they now sell. Then they build, and then they continue to market through the most amazing customer experience ever created in the car buying space, right? So their business model is market, sell, build, market. Marketing is completely decoupled from the product. And so organizationally, that's a massive shift, right? And then when we start to get even deeper, we start to talk about ways of working. And the ways that we think about working just aren't going to to sustain us into the future. And one of the best and easiest things that we can consider is the concept of agile. Look at the technological side of the house, see how they have changed to embrace agile, why they have changed to embrace agile and what the effects and results have been. And you can see why some of the largest organizations in the world are taking their entire marketing departments and making them agile. And I was talking with one of the banks that has done this, and I, I write about this in the book, and, and I asked him, I said, you know, you need to tell me, like, what is the ROI? What is the, the big number, like the KPI that, that you're using to measure this effort so I can tell people how amazing it was? And the response was, we don't have that number. And my response was, that's going to be very difficult for me to get other people to want to do this. And he said, but here's what we do. Here's how we do value. We now create the highest value of work 
per unit of time. Think about that concept, right? He even elaborated further and said, we go home at the end of the day, not stressed out, and we, get, when we want to come back to work the next day. That's another major benefit, right? When we start to think about how much marketing is going to play in the future, the roles and scope and task only increase. We only have to create more content. We have to do more things. We have to scale across the customer journey. It's more, 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 more. The only way to do that efficiently and effectively is to come up with a new way of working. And Agile is that new way of working. So you know, if we want to talk about organizational changes, say it starts at the top, we need to think about making sure that there is an executive that owns the entire customer experience across the customer journey. We need to make sure that we are uh, then, you know, coming up with new ways of working that allow for us to be able to handle this new workload, such as the agile format. So I think there's lots of operational structures. And then, yes, if we can change the underlying business model and transform into that same, you know, market sell build model, that's great. Most brands aren't going to be able to do that. They're just going to have to evolve to a new way of being. Well, so uh, any CEOs or uh, tech business leaders listening to this you got uh, <laughs> Matthew on the end of the line to guide you through this new way of structuring and organizing your business. Matthew, thank you so much for joining me today and outlining your uh, thought-provoking vision for the future of marketing and perhaps for the future of business. Thanks so much for having me. I hope everybody enjoyed it. This episode of the Startup to Scale Up Game Plan was brought to you by Alpina Search. Head over to www.alpinasearch.com for advice on scaling your technology startup and recruiting high-impact senior talent.